So, hello and welcome to episode four of the Scottish Running Podcast. With myself, Sean Gaffney, and as always, Pete Tucker, the, the two baldy guys. And then we've got a right handsome guy with a full head of hair. He's <laughs> Scottish, runs for Giffnet North, and he's currently the British indoor and British, very recently British outdoor 1500 meter champion. And please welcome Neil Gurley to the podcast. How are you doing, Neil? Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. Cheers for having me on. Yeah, all good. Um, I'm sitting uh, sitting in San Moritz at the moment. I'm here in a training camp and I'm just kind of looking at the view in the background at the moment. So I, <laughs> I really, I genuinely can't complain. I'm having a great time. Thanks for asking. <laughs> right, man. So that's pretty good here. Straight from a British Championship and then straight out to the nice uh, high altitude of St. Moritz and it looks like nice weather as well you're getting to. Yeah, yes, it's ideal here. It was always kind of in the plan that after British Champs, we'd go up to altitude. It's a stimulus that's kind of, it's been working for me and the the more I kind of use it, the more I feel like it benefits me. You just kind of get more and more um, equipped to deal with it, I suppose, and to handle the stimulus. So, yeah, um, it was always kind of the plan to go up here. We've got enough time between now and World Championships to you know, get back up to altitude and work on the strength stuff again and make sure, yeah, we're just working um, to get aerobically stronger by the time Budapest comes along um, while still kind of touching on plenty of track stuff as well. A wee bit of a balance. Nice one. Nice one. Oh, it's just good to see you. Scottish athletes smashing it up everywhere and plenty of world championships and everything. So what we like to do first of all, Pete likes to do like a, a wee quick fire round of just random questions just to give our viewers a wee insight into Neil Gurley and also our other guests. So Pete, take it away. Thank you, Sean. Thank you very much. All right, hi Neil. Um yeah, obviously good to chat to you just before we, we press record. Um and yeah, it looks like very, very picturesque out there in, in Switzerland in St. Ritz, so I'm pretty, pretty jealous. Uh, but yeah, um, Okay, on to our uh, on to our sort of quick fire round then. So we'll, we'll just start off. I, I reckon I might know the, the 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 answer to the first question myself anyway. But if you just let us know your your best running achievement or your or your proudest PB, really. Um, yeah, best running achievement, I suppose. Yeah, the European indoors this year probably have to take pride of place in that in that okay. spot. Um, it's been something I work towards. A heck of a long time was trying to win a major medal. Um, yeah, I suppose that that was my first major championship medal. It's not, you you know, when you look back, you maybe don't measure your career exactly just on how many medals you won or whatever. But it's been a milestone that I've been looking to work towards for a long time. So it okay. meant a lot. Um, it, it certainly meant a lot. Um, um, it, it's it's actually a little bit um, my favourite maybe memory in the sport might be actually winning the distance medley really when I was in the NCAA system um, right. with, with Virginia Tech that's because you kind of do it with a team there so that distance medley really is a 1200, a 400, 800 and a mile leg and so I was on the, the mile leg at the end and we won right. that with, uh, with Virginia Tech so that was another one that just I don't know, maybe that was my the one I enjoyed the most. Um, but okay. in terms of the highest achievement, I guess I'll go with that European indoor one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Um, and then um, just interested to hear who would be your, your favourite male athlete? Does it have to be athletics? 
no, it's uh, you know, you're you're our guest. Uh, I, you, you just tell us whoever you, <laughs> your favourite male athlete is. Uh, I've always really looked up to Chris Hoy um, and Andy Murray as well. Actually, they, they've been my two. You know, back I go back and forth who my all-time favourite athlete is Chris Hoy and Andy Murray. Um, yeah. Right now, Andy Murray's still some somehow still going and still performing at a high level. So I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. With, okay. Yeah. With one hip. <laughs> with one hip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. No, that's a, a recurring theme there with the, the Scottish athletes. Obviously, I've I've been up here now since since 2017, and uh, yeah, um, it's yeah some some great athletes. Uh, a bit of banter with with my wife, but she's actually a massive uh, Andy Murray fan. And uh, the only thing I would say, just to, just to add on that, I, I'm also an Andy Murray fan as well. But uh, just to be clear on it, it is Henman Hill and not Murray's Mound. Okay. So, <laughs> I suppose Henman Hill has a bit more of a ring to it. But <laughs> if we're talking about if we're talking about our best tennis player. It's Andy Murray by a mile. That's a fair. Yeah, I can't argue. I can't argue with that. Okay, moving on. Then moving on. So, uh, favorite female athlete. I grew up, the first memories I have of athletics were actually Kelly Holmes. Okay. So I'll keep it in athletics and I'll say Kelly Holmes because she was the one that first drew me to athletics, to be honest. That was around when I was first, you know, sitting down watching the Olympics. Yeah. And it would have been Athens 2004, watching her win double gold. That, yeah, yeah, that, that got me into athletics, I suppose. I don't think I was running yet, but it made right. me really appreciate it and really get into it that summer. That's a, that's a great show, and it's it's good to to have a different name because we've had a um, well, obviously you're, you're, we're only into our fourth episode, but we've had uh, two two votes for for um, I think we've had two votes for Paula, um, so who's who's always gone down quite well, and uh, yeah. I think was it Liz? Who was the last one, Sean? I can't remember now. Uh, Paul and Liz McCogan. That's it, Liz McCogan. That was it, right? Okay, so um, and then question four: uh, Your uh, what football team do you support? <laughs> Getting controversial already. Um, yeah, I support I support Rangers. Um, oh, yeah. okay. I always have. It's been kind of passed down by my granddad's side. Yeah. Um. So yeah, support Rangers. I've been able to recently actually to get to a Scotland game, two Scotland games actually. So I've very much a Tartan Army guy as well. So I was at the uh, Norway game right after I competed in Oslo. Two days oh, later, Scotland yeah. played Norway in Oslo. So I stuck around for that. And then I managed to see the Georgia game while I was home. So, um, aye, Rangers and Scotland are the, the two I'll really get behind. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, no no Scotland, no party. Okay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right, moving on. Uh, what's my next question? Okay, um, your favourite movie? Uh, always been a Lord of the Rings guy. Um, yes. I had to narrow it down. Yes. Return, of, Return of the King. Um, oh, but the whole trilogy is brilliant. But yeah, Return of the King would be my favourite. Okay, well, listen. Just before we go uh, ahead, can I just ask Neil what his favourite Lord of the Rings quote is? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> I love. I actually love when the uh, it is. It's actually kind of comical because it's not. It doesn't actually work out too well for him, but um, the King of Rohan, when he says something along the lines of, is that all you can conjure, Saruman? I always think of that in races when somebody <laughs> when somebody makes their moves and I sort of say to myself, is that all you can conjure? <laughs> That's I'm good. Start using that one. Um, it, well, yeah, I'm sure once we, we get our pass off our quick fire round, we'll let Sean take over with his best Gollum impression. It's, it's pretty impressive, to be fair. <laughs> And I, I don't just mean facially either. Like he's really got the voice down. down oh, to brilliant! 
Right. Yeah, there we go. He, he does actually now. We'll come on to that. All right, next one. Uh, so most interesting person you've met through running? Through running? Um, that's a good question. Um, through running? I don't know, actually. There's, I mean, there's so many interesting people you do meet on the circuit. Um, yeah. A w- absolute wild card that um, okay is always stuck with me is um, Nigel Amos. Um, yeah, he was yeah. an interesting character, and just you never know what you were going to get from him. But in terms of raw talent, I've never seen anyone like him. Unfortunately, right. he's serving a uh, a suspension at the moment, um, yeah. which is a shame <laughs> because it's someone that I used to be pals with. But that's that's a part of the sport, and some he must have yeah. made a mistake. Must have made a mistake yeah. along the way. I, but, I uh, carried for him at the at the Commie Games in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, he was like he. He, he actually he always lucky. said Glasgow was his favourite championship. He had a great time there. Yeah, he beat, he beat so, Rhodesia. Like he, he gave me his kit, and then we weren't allowed to make oh, any right. eye contact at all. And he just he kept trying to make eye contact with me. And I was eventually went, "How you doing?" And he looked at Rhodesia and went like, that. And I, was like <laughs> "I was like, okay." Yeah. And then he beat yeah. me. And I was like, "Sorry, it wasn't." He wasn't getting yeah. cocky, but he backed up. Yeah, a bit of a madman, but yeah, yeah, I, I got on well with him. He was a uh, really interesting guy. Great. Okay, well, we'll, we'll ask for some more uh, Nigel Amos uh, stories a bit later on. Okay, then. So, uh, next question. Uh, and again, this can be whether it's the, you know, the kind of level you're competing at, any any big sort of race or big city race uh, or, or your, your local kind of, uh, th- th- I'm hoping there's a sort of a, I don't know, a, a turkey trot race you do every year. I don't know. But uh, I want to know your favourite race. Favourite race? Um, I do... I do. I've only done it once, but I really okay. love the fifth. I've only, yeah, as I only done it once, but I really love the Fifth Avenue Mile when I did it. It's pretty iconic. Um, yeah, and I, I love New York itself. It's it's a great place to visit. Not so much stay. It's overwhelming if you stay there for too long. But in terms <laughs> of the city to visit, New York's brilliant, and that 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 Fifth Avenue Mile down um, down beside Central Park is pretty iconic. So I'll say that. Brilliant. That's a great one. Okay, uh, great. And then um, this one, I'm uh, interested to, to to hear about because um, in terms of running, are we we're sort of from from, from different worlds in terms of level and also uh, events? Because uh, I'm a I'm a marathon runner, but I'm, I now class myself as a, an ultra runner. Uh, although I, I have noticed, I'm getting a bit worried. I've noticed you're gradually stepping up in distance and uh, a pretty. Um, I'm going to use the word naughty 5k. We, we've we've seen that. That's on our radar. So, um, but yeah, what what I would be interested in though, as I said. Completely different types of, of, of training we, we obviously do, but your your favourite session? Um, yeah, <laughs> first off, you're very safe in the marathons and the ultra marathons. I'm not, I'm not touching them anytime <laughs> no, soon. No plans but, anytime soon. Okay. No, no plans anytime <laughs> soon. Um, I, I'm, I very much wish I was a sprinter. So my favourite kind of session tends to be. Um, the one I like the most actually is this session where we do 300 meter reps, but um, it's not just trying to hit a certain time for the whole rep. Basically, what we're trying to do is accelerate every 100 meters. So we'll maybe do six 300s off of about three minutes total, where we try and go 14, 13, 12 for the intermediate 100 meters of a 300. Oh, wow. So it ends up being, you know, maybe 38, 39. Um, but yeah. you know, starting at fourteen and getting a second faster every hundred, 
and hopefully finishing these days under 12 seconds for the last 100 if I can um, means that I'm, you know, sharp. So that's that's my favourite session. Really practices acceleration. That's that's brilliant, Sean. Make make a note of that. Although although I would me and Sean have actually done that session ourselves. We normally start around sort of twenty seconds and then down to nineteen and then getting on to eighteen. So yeah, <laughs> bit bit of work to do. <laughs> okay, uh, right. Moving on. Um, your favourite food? Definitely a pizza guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely a pizza guy. I've become a bit of a snob with it. Like I love the sort of Neapolitan style, you know, proper, uh, nice airy crust kind of deal. Yeah, I'm kind of a pizza guy, definitely. Stuff stuffed crust? No, no stuffed crust. None of the oh. Domino's nonsense. Um, uh, it's the <laughs> one thing I'm quite a snob about. <laughs> there, there are other um, pizza um, retailers available that also offer stuffed crust. I'll just get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what about, right, yeah, this question uh, has brought up some interesting answers already into our, our early days, but I'd be interested to know your if you've got a phobia or a pet hate. Um, phobias, I really don't struggle with much like i'm a bit of a weirdo in that i'm completely okay with you know the typical like spiders and snakes and what have you like i'm always the one people will uh call after to you know take a spider out of the, out of the house or whatever um <laughs> the phobia i don't know I don't, I don't think i really have any in particular pet hates Oof. um Do you know, as this is ironic considering I'm on a running podcast, I have a bit of a pet hate in the running world is people you can only talk about running with. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's more to life, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, so, de no definitely. There's, there's just some people you come across and it, it's not very fair of me to say this because it is, you know, it's common ground, but there's some people you uh -huh. come across that just cannot get away from running, 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 running. And I, to be honest, I like to not talk about running when I'm, in my downtime so i guess i'll give that as a pet hey ironically yeah no no yeah no i know the types and i i will admit i i did quickly look you up on on facebook before we we came on here just to see if we had any mutual friends and one of our mutual friends who, who i won't name he's definitely one of those guys and he seems to be <laughs> friends with anyone uh, not just anyone who runs throughout the uk if you if you if you if you run he's friends with you on facebook but um you can work that out by process of elimination right moving on okay. um, I think that was uh, let's have a look no that was uh, that was question 10 so yeah thanks that's that's my quick fire round so back over to Sean to, to move things on thanks for that awesome cheers for that Pete and then before I go ahead I'll just do my goal impression so stupid fat herbert says <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant brilliant there we go. Yeah. yep brilliant yeah. You can tell why I was single for a long time in my life, you know. <laughs> he, he has actually got a girlfriend now. I've, I've met her, yeah, so I, I can verify it. Yeah, I do. I do. How um, often do you pull out the impression? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can. I can fall out to verify my girlfriend. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> so, I so when we got you on because I've seen I've kind of followed your progress for a wee while now. Um, you've been you've always been knocking at the door. You no, know, you. You know, you, you moved, had that moved to America and your times just started coming down. But when you look at your power of 10, you know, <laughs> from, you know, 2006, under 13, running 501 for like 1,500 metres, every year you've just get quicker and quicker and quicker. And then up until this year, you ran, you know, 
330 for 1500 meters and you know when you've ran 144 for 800 meters and also like pete spoke about that 1311 5k but we'll we'll get on we'll get we'll ask you a wee question for that later on but um but for yourself neil where would you say your running career started from it was all i mean it was all back at gifflet north really it was a teacher of mine at a we done a fun run at school and a teacher of mine, Mrs. Thompson, who I owe a lot to, um, her husband, Croy, I don't know if you know Croy Thompson. Um, he's been about at Giftnick North for a long time. Uh, so Mrs. Thompson suggested I go along to Giftnick North when I was maybe 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And really, I just kind of got excited by the fact that it seemed like I was being scouted for something at the time because I was playing a lot of football and, you know, as some of my pals would get scouted for pro youth football, that kind of thing. So it felt like, I was getting identified as having some talent. So I suppose that excited me a little bit. Um, and yeah, went along to Club Night at Giffnick North and really just loved it. Claire Stevenson was the coach um, for, for the youngsters at the time and still is to this day. Uh, she does a brilliant job of of getting kids to love the sport. I mean, you just look at the numbers of Giffnick athletes that are competing at the younger age groups and doing well at the younger age groups and just having a great time. Um, yeah. And I think Claire is a massive reason why. So she got me into the sport. And from then on, I just kind of loved the challenge of, I mean, it was really the fact that the more I seemed to put in, the better I seemed to do. And there was kind of no two ways about it, really. Um, especially at that age, the, you know, the the more you show up to training, the more you, the longer you train, the, the harder you work, the better you seem to do. And I sort of fell in love with that, that process. Okay. I know it's that's that's a really good story because you no, know, you you've come in it. It's not as if you come in. We had a guy on called Toy Murray a couple of weeks ago, and he started right. running in, in his twenties and became yeah. a bit of a cross country legend. Uh, with yourself, you know, you've just came straight from grassroots. You came in as a junior, and now you've just went through every single age group, and now you're you're meddling at major championships as well. So that's that's an incredible progression. That's that's a great story as well. So would you say? Going from that time, did you see yourself as having a, a career in athletics or was it just kind of you, you enjoyed it more than anything? Yeah, definitely not. Um, I was, I sort of dreamt of it, I suppose you could say, um, is a cliche, but no, I, at that age, particularly when I was under 13, under 15, even going to sort of under 17, I was never one of the better guys in Scotland, certainly nowhere near one of the better guys in the UK. And right. I thought, you know, maybe if I stick at this, I can, um, you know, maybe I can run under four minutes for 1500 one day. Maybe I could, maybe, maybe I could get a Scotland vest. If you told me I could get at that point, I could maybe compete for Scotland one day. I'd have been happy to be honest. I'd have taken that. Um, so it's really just been a case of getting better every year. And, and the better you get, the more your goals kind of change and the more your ambitions change. So it, yeah, it, it took until my sort of later teenage years, and I probably developed maybe a bit later than my peers as well. I mean, obviously that's that's part of it, but um, yeah, it took me until I was maybe eighteen, nineteen, and then I went across to the US, um, an athletic scholarship uh, to Virginia Tech. That's when I started kind of believing, oh, maybe there is uh, an actual career in this for me. Maybe this isn't just me doing this because I love it. Maybe this could be an actual. Um, an actual career path and maybe I could achieve things in this sport that at one time when I was a teenager 
I'd have said there's absolutely no way. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's really really good to hear. Really encouraging as well. And I guess it gives a a lot of sort of uh, you know confidence or uh, encouragement to, to younger athletes, those that are, are into the sport and haven't. You know, you don't necessarily need to be because uh, again, I don't know exactly what what age you, you started running or but um obviously I've, I've, I've been running for for a long time and uh yeah you see uh as, as youngsters some some really really good athletes like whether they're under 15s under 13s uh at, at such a good level sometimes it's a question of those guys that have just developed a bit quicker than other other guys or girls of the same age um but you know um, and some of them do stick with school but often they they don't tend to for, for whatever reason and then later on you see guys that were just kind of yeah, just just enjoying it, competing, or, or or quite. I think it's fair to say average, and then they've really moved from strength to strength. So it's it's good to hear the way you've progressed there. Absolutely, and um, so like also that move across America and looking through your power of ten stuff as well. You know, you can see your progression through you know, the Scottish rankings as well. You know, you you broke two minutes, etc., and you broke four, and you had some really good performances at the Scottish schools. But the move to America, how did that come about? I'd around the ages of maybe sixteen, seventeen. I think that's when uh, Chris O'Hare was in the US, and a, a few other sort of British athletes. And I kind of looked at that as a way um, of of yeah, just to sort of follow the dream a little bit. I I really love um, how in the NCAA it sort of combines things academically and athletically. Whereas you know you go to uni in, in at home, and you know you're you're your teachers, your professors, whoever it is, don't really care that you're competing and you, you've got other responsibilities as well. The, the things are kind of separate. Um, but the nice thing about going to the US for uni is that things are kind of together and they're, they kind of, um, each one supports another. So I wanted, yeah, I wanted to be a uni. I wanted to get an engineering degree, um, which I did in mechanical engineering. And uh, yeah, I wanted to be able to pursue sport at the same time. I kind of wanted to have, I suppose, both options, um, for lack of a better phrase. But um, yeah, I I was attracted to the NCAA and I emailed a lot of coaches. And to be honest, the the, the place I ended up, Virginia Tech, it wasn't in my initial list of people that I reached out to. It was a co-worker. I was working at Scottish Power at the time doing an internship. And mm-hmm. uh, as a co-worker that had said, oh, have you heard about Virginia Tech? We've heard good things because Strathclyde Uni had an exchange program with that uni at the time. Um, and I hadn't, to be honest, I hadn't heard of them. And I thought, oh, well, it'll be some kind of engineering focused university and they'll have nothing to do with athletics, really. But then started to look at it um, and started to look at the coach there and the work he'd done, and the athletes that were good at the time and how ridiculously they'd improved at their time, at their time at Virginia Tech. So I just, yeah, I, I was kind of stats driven at that point. I was doing so much research and then called the coach and we got on really well and we had similar sort of thought processes about how to train and how we wanted to compete and I, yeah just just really connected with um with the coach ben thomas uh when i spoke to him and i owe a lot to him because he brought me on a heck of a lot of an athlete i think he's one of the best coaches out there um particularly in the middle distances he's he's, he's a brilliant brilliant guy um made me a lot tougher psychologically and um yeah just brought me along physically as well I mean, did, did you have any other, sorry, Sean, did you have any uh-huh. other um, uh, British athletes out there uh, when you were on the scholarship at Virginia Tech? Not on the team with me, no. I, I was kind of 
probably the first sort of British guy that went to Virginia Tech. It wasn't a uni that many people had, I don't know, it wasn't really on the map so much back then, I would say. Um, it is a bit more now uh, with some of the success that they've had. Um, so much so that Ben Thomas, my coach there, got the job at the University of Oregon uh, for a couple of years. So that's one of the bigger, bigger schools. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, not, not with me at the time. Okay. Nice man. So going show? No, it's right. It's all good, man. Uh, but no, it's been a, quite a few uh, British, um, obviously, well, like British, a lot of British, but you got uh, quite a few Scottish uh, athletes over there as well, like people talking about the Chris O'Hare, and you mentioned Chris O'Hare as well. Uh, but how does it, uh, staying away from America in just a moment, but how does it feel like being part of that kind of Scottish team like yourself, Jake Whiteman, Josh Kerr, and you guys are, no, the British scene, you guys are kind of dominating that 1,500 metres. So how, how does that feel for you? Yeah, it's great. It's, it's two guys I get on really well with, um, particularly Jake. I go sort of way back with him. Mm-hmm. We've, we kind of knew of each other before we were even running uh, because he, we had a, so my cousin um, was friends with him at school. And this was, you know, when we were sort of 10, 11 years old, maybe. So it was we, we go back way back to then. And um, uh-huh. we lived in Edinburgh. So, um, yeah. And I've come up with it, it through the age groups with Jake all along the way and raced each other. And it's funny coming up through the age groups and not necessarily being the two better guys in the country either, getting beat by plenty of people. Uh, but just having known each other for that long, it's it's kind of surreal. We, we talk about it occasionally looking back, like kind of how, yeah, how far we've come, I suppose. Josh was a bit younger. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, we, we've, gone to know him since he was kind of the younger end of the age groups in fact for a while my brother teased me because he had more wins over josh than i did because <laughs> he was uh, under 11s he'd beaten josh in the past and until i don't know when it was back in 2019 or whatever it was he'd beaten him and i hadn't <laughs> so he would hold that one over me but uh yeah get on really well with jake and josh and it's just it's there's no particular reason i don't think that there's such a massive uh success going on with a relatively small country in terms of 1500 meter running it's and it's not just the men it's laura it's Gemma, it's yeah yeah i, I don't really know because Absolutely. we all have kind of different setups but it's brilliant to be a part of and i think you know the, the likes of laura the likes of chris are here set a standard and people look to it and say you know why are we giving all these other great athletes or these other countries so much respect there's no reason why we can't do it too and i think if you look yeah. at all of those athletes, we all have the same mentality. Like, why not us? Yeah. Granted, sure, there's 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 a good amount of talent there. Um, you can't. I'm not naive to say that you can't get to this level without some. Um, and there are different forms of talent, but um, yeah, it's it's brilliant to be a part of because it's all good people and it's all people that work really hard to be where they're at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it is like like you said there. You know, Laura, the Elish McCogan, you know, um, Gemma Ricci as well. And, and very recently, I just noticed on the Scottish Athletics YouTube today, you know, like Megan Keith and Alice Goodall won the 5,000 and the 10,000 at the under 23 European Championships. And yeah. I'm, th- I'm pretty sure there's also a girl called Erin Wallace that runs for Gifnock, who seems to be doing quite well too. Is that right? Yep, Erin's great. Um, she had a wee bit of an injury issue just recently, but. Uh... 
Yeah, she ran 159 uh, recently for 800 and just ran 406 for 15, uh, I think, in Poland yesterday. So, yeah, wow. she's she's coming through. I've known Erin for quite a while because she came through Gifflet North, as you say. So, yeah, I, I mean, having a conveyor belt of sort of talent coming through is brilliant to see. I, I hope in some small way we and I personally have contributed to a bit of belief. Um, the Scottish athletes coming up that you Definitely. can absolutely... Can absolutely make it um there's no reason why not yeah definitely i think it's just it's just great to see all you guys just pretty much just smashing it up and then um, i think it, it this year as well um i think also jake whiteman he's an incredible world champion and josh Kerr, you know bronze at the olympics but yourself and this year especially um you've really stepped up you know the british indoor champs now it wasn't you know, people just see, you know, oh, the outdoor championships, but they don't really see that hard work in the winter where you, you know, won the British indoors and then you went to the European indoors and you finished second to that guy, you know, that wee guy from Norway, you know, Jakob, you know, you no know, <laughs> any any other, you know, era, you know, in 334 indoor as well, you run that day is is incredible um for indoor. But um but going to that that European championships first of all, you know what was what what was your thinking on that last 200 meter lap were you thinking you know i, I could i could take him right now absolutely yeah no i i was um that you kind of have to go in with that mentality particularly when you race like if, if you're thinking oh you know hopefully i can get second here it's just not the right way to go about it i was coming in hoping to win that race yeah i and as you say, in the last 200, I made an attack with 150 to go that Jakob U was coming. Um, I, I, I wasn't really trying to surprise him, if that makes sense. I was just hoping that I could have a better turn of pace to beat him um, to, to the turn. And he kind of knew it was coming and sort of almost baited me into it. The previous lap had slowed down to the point that um, it meant he could sort of launch his kick as I was probably launching mine. So it was strategically well played from from Jakob. He's all he always gets his tactics right. It's a part of his game that I think is people don't give him enough credit for is how consistently he gets it right. Yeah. Um got it right. And yeah, I I looked to attack with 150 to go. I thought that gave myself my best chance of winning. And he just held me off to the turn. Uh, bringing us to 100 to go and not getting past him there meant that it was really difficult then to sort of hover on his shoulder and then attack again with 50 to go because it's really hard to get around somebody on an indoor track particularly going at you know 12 seconds per 100 kind of speed so yeah just just held me off there and, and that was enough really I tried to attack again but just didn't quite didn't quite have it to get around him. Um, the only thing I might have done differently is literally waited until fifty to go to to to, to really to really kick. But in hindsight, I I don't know. I, I made the best decision I thought. Uh, I made the decision I thought gave me the best chance of winning. And fair play to to the guy. He's not half bad at this this fifteen hundred meter running, and he held me off. So can't complain. It's just being just bettered. So um, yeah, yeah, that's done. So you've got a guy who's. You know, on his Instagram account, saying, "Oh, I'm going to go for the world record." You're like, Jesus. That's <laughs> like, but going by going by like times just now. I mean, I remember years ago in Scotland, if a guy ran close to three forty for a fifteen, it was considered, "Wow, he's really close to the Commonwealth Games time," which was like 
340 or something. And I think like a few years after that, the standards got a little bit better and a guy called Chris Gawson ran like 337 and everyone was like, oh, Jesus, wow, that's incredible. And it was at the time. It still yeah. is a great time, but you look at you, <laughs> Josh, Jake, you've all ran like between 329 and 330 for three Scottish athletes, which is just frightening. It's yeah. honestly so incredible just to see. And it's not just these are, you know, just knocking at the door. You're, you're up there like yourself winning major medals and challenging for world titles. You know, it's, do you feel there's been a, a particular time in your career where you felt, obviously I've, I've seen here that through the power of 10, you've been improving every every year, but have you, is there any particular year you think that you could see your run really taking off? Um, there were there were a couple of sort of breakthroughs, I suppose, that that happened along the way. Like you said, it's kind of been a bit of a steady progress every year, and I like to think that that'll continue. Um, I still feel like a lot, a few good years left um, in terms of room to grow within the sport and to get better at fifteen hundred meter running. It's it's been steady, but I think I, there was back when I was, I think maybe under seventeen, going towards under twenty. Um, there was a year where I remember we really started taking things seriously. A coach at the time, Gordon Lockie, um, who I owe a lot to, he you know, decided with a good group that we had at the time um, that we were going to really start taking things a bit more seriously. And he, he, he went away, did plenty of research and talked to all the right people he could um, in terms of, you know, how, how do we make the next steps in this sport? Um, and it wasn't so much the training itself. It was more of the aspect of, we sat down with a plan um and we said in february we're going to win you know we're going to win the national cross country title which at the time i was i don't know i don't know definitely outside the top five best guys at that point in time i would say uh but we sat and made a plan we thought by february this is where we want to be and it seemed really audacious at the time but you know we believed that we could make it work and with adding in extra elements to training, none of them being groundbreaking, just really taking it more seriously and training more days of the week and um, adding in more gym elements, just having stuff planned out um, and taking it really seriously. And yeah, ended up, ended up succeeding, ended up winning the national cross country title by under 17, which at that point in time seemed really audacious. And that kind of gave me a love for sitting down, making a goal, addressing how you're going to accomplish that goal on a week-to-week basis on absolutely a detailed plan and then accomplishing it, I'd sort of, yeah, that really hooked me. And that was a bit of a turning point, I'd say, in my career. Um, where, yeah, from then on, I just had that approach and repeated and repeated with more and more resources and better training and, you know, new environments and, yeah, it's just been a kind of rinse and repeat since then with much different training, but the same kind of mindset. That's great, great. And and so just to, to come in there with um, what, what obviously Sean talking about the, the sort of high caliber of Scottish 1500 meter runners and, and well, athletes in general at the minute. But uh, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe your your 330.88, it took you up to, to eighth, I believe, on the on the UK all time list. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds correct. I don't know if I'm honest. Well, there I'm you hoping go. To be, I'm hoping to keep climbing, but uh, no, I don't know. Scottish sure running right. podcast exclusive. Yeah, my, assuming <laughs> my, my records are correct, you you are eighth, and so I, I just you. wanted to 
to, to touch on that. So obviously with your 330.88, um, so in, in seventh, you've got, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's, he, he used to run a little bit back in the day. A guy called Steve Yvette is uh, in seventh for 330.77. So that's, you know, by the way, I don't know if that's a hundredth of a thousandth of a second. It's not much anyway, but uh, sure, obviously that's clearly well within your uh, well within your reach and, and your targets. And then uh, I think we've got Charlie Grice in sixth. Uh, again, another guy who, who you might have heard of, Seb, Seb Coe in, in fifth. Then we've got Cram in fourth. And then two of your compatriots, uh, Jake Whiteman, two, uh, 329.23. Josh Kerr, three twenty nine oh five, and then obviously we've got we've got Mo at the, the top of the pile. But I'm I'm hoping to see see that that change. And uh, so yeah, just I, I guess I mean you, I, I mean clearly at your level and uh, that it's, it's fine margins and and it's all right. That, that might have been only be you know a second or two seconds, but I, I realise that's a, a hell of a lot at that at that level and over that that event. But just I don't know what where, where do you see yourself going with it? I don't want to put any I'm not not wanting you to list the time or anything, but um, like you say, I, I could certainly see you, you climbing up that list. Just just how far remains to be seen. Yeah, I I don't have no idea where I'll end up. To be honest, I think I'll end up higher than I am right now. That's the that's only thing I'm quite confident. That's the only thing I'm quite confident in saying. Brilliant. I'm gonna I'm gonna run faster than I did in Oslo um, at some point in time. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'll end up. I think. I don't think it's that bold of a prediction to say that by the time the likes of Josh, Jake, myself, whoever, Jake Hayward, George Mills, whoever it is, by the time this kind of year is through with it and there'll be other years that come by and surpass us, I don't think Mo's British record will stand um, for all yeah. that much longer. Um, just the way things are going at the moment, be it this year, next year, a few years' time, don't know. But um, yeah, the, the standards are changing a little bit. Um, you see in 1500 meter running at the world level just now what used to be good as, as as sean was saying i remember not that long ago when being under 340 was brilliant and everybody yeah. was so impressed if you could be in the 330s and now it's a bare minimum to be <laughs> to be a lot faster than that put it that way um yeah. it's just things have moved on a little bit but um at the same time i'm i don't i've never been someone who puts all my stock in kind of times if i'm honest um i want to compete at major championships and that's kind of what does it for me uh in this sport yeah. pbs are brilliant don't get me wrong but um i think when i look back it will be the memories i have in championships and how i competed against the best athletes of the world that's what i love competing against people mano a mano kind of in competition not diamond league style kind of championship style that's the stuff that i really yeah. really um well, and i think i'll look back on Okay, well, listen, I've, I've got a great follow-up question for on that, actually. Just since we're talking about, um, you know, major championships and diamond leagues competing at the highest level, not clearly you're, you're striving to, to improve all the time. Um, so I'm just wondering, is your, is your 2013 uh, 1550 Pollock Park run, is that up for revision at any time? <laughs> it's um, not any time soon, I don't think. When are we lining up? I don't think I'll line up in a park run until I retire, maybe. So, no, that might stay my best i'll leave it at that well, I'm, quite let, let, I'm quite secure uh well, having that, that park run time to my name i'm sure uh, andrew butchart is listening because he, he actually emailed us and asked us to ask you that question specifically you know because he's, he's he's worried no he, he didn't really but yeah. <laughs> his world record is safe <laughs> <laughs> well get going going obviously having a good chat then about obviously your championships and how you think of just Better and better every single year. But um, what 
So for our listeners just now, what does an average training week look like in terms of mileage, gym work, etc.? Yeah, um, I, I can sort of list it out. So generally our harder days are Tuesdays, Fridays and Sundays. So typically um, I'll start my week actually with a kind of rest or recovery day. So every other week, Monday's a rest day. Um, and on other weeks, it's maybe just an easy six to eight mile run because we're coming off usually a hard Sunday. So Tuesday morning, I'll do um, a hard session depending. It depends where I am kind of in the sort of periodization of the year. Uh, but at the moment, a typical strength week um, might be on Tuesday doing... It depends, some sort of threshold stuff. It could be it could be some K reps. It could be, yeah, it could be anything in between. Um, and so Tuesday will be a typical sort of harder workout, come back in the evening, do another run, do my lifting. Gym work tends to be on the hard days. So that might end up being a sort of 18 mile day, uh, all in all with the warm ups, cool downs, double run, that kind of thing. Um, and then the gym work on top of that. Wednesday and Thursday tend to be quite easy. Wednesday's often just one kind of medium long run. Thursday's probably two two runs, doing some sort of technical drills and strides in the evening on a Thursday. Um, Friday, I'll have another harder session in the strength sort of aerobic phase. It could be sort of hill reps. I'm big on doing hills most weeks in the sort of um, strength building side of things. So we'll do long reps of hills we'll do medium reps short reps just to kind of mix um i don't like just doing any one particular rep i like kind of mixing it up with the hills i feel that works really well for me um come back in the friday evening do a double and a more gym work saturday tends to be easy running and then sunday will tend to go long um it could be 14 15 miles but usually with some threshold efforts in the middle as well long for some not particularly long for a marathon runner but long for, <laughs> for a little old me in the in middle distance runner that's for sure um <laughs> that's about as far as i is about as far as i go far as i want to go um and we'll do some threshold in the middle of that uh long run usually and that would be a pretty typical typical week usually the volume totals between 18 and 19 miles um particularly on the strength side of things Oh, right, that's that's like quite a lot of mileage because you look at the, you know, back in the day, you know, after Lydia back in the nineteen fifties and stuff, people were saying like, oh, you, you can't run that mileage, and well, fifteen hundred meter runner, they should only run about ten miles a week, you know. So it's because, but nowadays it's just, no, you can find a eight hundred even eight hundred meter runners, which you are yourself, you've run one forty four, but you do find that with the elite runners, no, it's eighty, ninety to sometimes a hundred miles a week, and. Ask what they're training for, and they go fifteen hundred meters. They they just get bags yeah, and bags of strength there, and then they spend that wee bit of time. They say what eight weeks or so. They just finessing their, their their speed and getting basically championship ready. Is that kind of similar what yourself do? You know, maybe a few four weeks, six weeks out or so. Or yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, we never get too far away from from running quickly. Um, in terms of the specific track stuff, though, yeah, it's it's sort of six to eight weeks out, maybe. So, you know, we'll have sort of transition type workouts where it's a little bit of strength, a little bit of speed, and then towards racing heavily. Yeah, in the last sort of three, four weeks, we'll start to get really specific and start to attack the track a little bit more. 
but yeah, it's it's a case. It's such a strength game at the moment. It's particularly with the fifteen hundred is being run right now. It's not the case where it used to be. Whoever could pos- good position and tactically get it right and close the quickest tended to win major championships. And now the way it's being run with the likes of Jakob, with the likes of people like Chariot, he was kind of the pioneer of it. To be honest, uh, when he ran away from the field in twenty nineteen at the World Champs, mm-hmm. and people realised that could be done. Um, I think I think he doesn't get enough credit for the fact that he started that whole wave. I think, um, and then you know people like Stu McSwain, others just like to race aggressively from the gun, and it's been become more about who can you know be the strongest over the three rounds, and yeah, then end up running three twenty eight in the final. Yeah, or there, that, thereabouts. And good, you're talking about that the championship that Commonwealth Games that is just that was such a wild race. It it just it had the only person that was missing was Jacob. It was yeah. literally had you no know, Jake World Champion, you had Josh, you had <laughs> Chariot, you had you, and you had like Stuart McSwain, and then some guy called Ollie Hoare, like from uh, sorry Australia. Just nobody expected him to win that, and it just you just don't know where it came from. It's like you said, like he just obviously paced that race perfectly, and he smelled blood in that last hundred meters. Yeah, it was a crazy race. That one in particular, because I think it was relentless in the sense that there was a guy from South Africa that I think went out way too harsh in the first 300 meters, yeah. but then that set it up for Kipsang to hit the front and take it hard, and then Chariot to hit the front and take it hard, and it was just like three or four different attacks in a row that meant that it was just relentless. Um, and I mean, they could be nothing other than a really quick time for everybody involved. But uh, yeah, I remember like fighting to be like on the shoulder of the leaders but just struggling to get around people and I put myself in a good position but was just absolutely knackered the last 150 just had absolutely nothing left to give because I'd given everything trying to hold on to all these big attacks Um, and yeah Ollie just played his cards right and was just yeah was just, just had a better day than everybody else and just probably timed it a bit better than everybody else that had responded to all these attacks yes it just watched that. I was like, after it like, got to like a lap to go, I was just like, like anyone can win this year. It's just like, <laughs> it's yeah. like ra- race, like race plans went right out the window because, like you said, that wee South African guy. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I think it was just a maybe chariot and the Kipsang. He just, they just thought, oh, he's slowing down. We're not, we're not really slowing down. It was just, yeah. I've never seen a fifteen hundred meters like it. And um, the only last one I seen like it was when Rhodesia. Got his world record at London, and then everyone else just tried to follow him. It, was, it made everyone else run a PB. And that nah. was, apart from that, it was kind of that fifteen hundred meters was one of the craziest races I've ever seen. Um, but about yourself just now, so you are currently a runner for Under Armour, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Under Armour have been incredibly supportive to me. I signed with them uh, January of last year. Yes. Uh, joined their group based in Flagstaff, and they've been brilliant to work with. So again, how did that one come about as well? Was that just, you see, they seen how, how amazing you are and they wanted you on their books? <laughs> to be honest, it was um, at the time, the, the year prior had actually been dropped by Nike. I was sponsored by Nike before that um, and got injured in Olympic year and they decided to go separate ways, shall we say. And um, yeah, Under Armour were probably at that point in time the only company that were really interested and really seemed like they wanted to back me. Um, this was early in 2022. 
um, that I'd first signed. So yeah, early in 2022, it, it, people have a short memory in this sport and I wasn't at the Olympics in 2021 because I got injured mm-hmm. and people quickly move on and forget that, you know, you, you can be a factor at the world level and I knew I would be. It's just a case of, yeah, getting back healthy and getting back to my normal self running wise. Um, so Under Armour, were willing to, in a sense, um, take a chance on me, and they they believed that I'd get back to that level, um, and I knew I'd, I knew for a fact I wouldn't just get back to my, that level. I'd get better, but um, it's you know it's it's all well and good saying that, and another thing actually doing it. So, yeah, yeah. they had belief in me, and it, it, I, I hope I've I've sort of repaid that in in a way. And uh, the my agent um, Stephen Haas actually is the guy who runs the group itself, um, so he kind of was instrumental in getting me a contract with Under Armour. And if it hadn't been for him, then then who knows where I'd be. But uh, he helped me a lot in getting that sorted. So just just on that note, uh, sorry, Neil, Stephen Hess, you mentioned the name there. I don't, I don't know the, the, the guy myself, but I, re- I recognise the name. Um, was I, I'm sure he's obviously was part of the um, the US sort of collegiate system himself. Was he, Was which university, was he linked to Butler at all? I might have got that wrong. I don't know what, what uni he was from out there. No, no, he he's he's not with the uni at all. Um, right. He's he just he's he's an agent in the US for um, a number of athletes. Actually, it's not even just Americans, but um, right. he's an agent and he's also a coach uh, based in in Flagstaff as well. So he runs Under Armour's group based in Flagstaff. Uh, he, I, I don't know how he does it all. To be honest, I don't know how he has any time in the day. But um, right, okay. busy guy. But no, not not connected with a uni at all. Um, he, he just he, he bases in Flagstaff. I think he did go to Indiana when he was younger, um, right. college, but but not not to do with any uni now. Oh, that that makes sense because I believe um sort of a, a former sort of teammate of mine when I was down the road, Scott Overall was obviously out in the the, the US as well. That he was at at Park right. with a, a, yeah. another. A couple of guys I know, um, a guy called Andy Rayner uh, and, and Ollie Laws, who, who both work for, for On now. Um, right. But um, yeah, and I know I know Scott. I believe he he knows Stephen. So it's probably through yes, that. Scott's good pals with with Stephen. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the only reason I know that name. Right. Okay. Sorry, Sean. Go on over to you. No, that's right. You know, like you said, like going from Under Armour, like you knew you would get back to that level and get better. Like you've shown that. Like, your major medals and your PBs have came down as well, and and quite a you know a, a blustering one forty four eight hundred as well. I mean that's that's quite yeah. incredible, and it's uh, for me eight hundreds are for me they're probably the, the most painful race on the track. But obviously you're running against the world class athletes at fifteen hundred meters and eight hundred. Which which distance on the track would you say is the most kind of gut wrenching? Where you're just like Oh Jesus, this is so painful. Wait, eight or fifteen? The eight hundred is a bit more painful, but it doesn't last very long. You don't actually have time to think about how painful it is. <laughs> so I don't mind it as much. You don't you don't sit with your thoughts being in a lot of pain in the eight hundred. It just kind of happens to you. So if, if anything, I prefer running the eight hundred. The fifteen. I mean, it's different when it's a, if it's a, if it's a slow fifteen hundred and a sort of kick last lap or last 600 or whatever it is if it's a kind of wind up 1500 it's not so bad but a hard 1500 from the gun is brutal i mean the the, the state yeah. you can be in after that is just <laughs> i think worse worse than an 800 meters and it's the fact that you live with that pain for for a good few minutes um it's not just like it's not just like half a lap of pain like the 800 is um so yeah i'll say the 15 is a bit harder uh physically i know i seen my, my nephew and stuff and i watching 
athletics, my nephew, she's like, why can't they just speed up? I was like, you don't understand, Jack. I was like, you do not understand. You know what? Get out. Get out. <laughs> so much disrespect there. Um, but no, I, I sidetracked there, actually, about 800 metres. But from the, um, like, also, you, you go back to that level, 330 and the, the yeah, meddling championships now. But one thing I wanted to say about is the, the British, they, they won a couple of weeks ago there. You're watching mm. the, the highlights of it, that weather looked absolutely brutal too. <laughs> it's like proper, it wasn't just rain, it was like proper Scottish weather in England, like torrential rain. Like, how how did you keep concentrated for that long <laughs> in that, in that, that weather? Honestly, I loved it. It was it was really <laughs> atmospheric. We, we, we got to the line. And it hadn't even been that bad until we got to the line. And then all of a sudden it was like thunder, lightning in the distance. And then it was just whoom with the rain. I enjoyed it, to be honest. I just, when you're in that mode, nothing, nothing bothers you. Like the, there's a certain mode you can get in racing when you really focus and there's a lot on the line, or particularly myself, when there's a lot on the line, you could, you could punch me in the face. I wouldn't care. Um, and the rain, I honestly, I couldn't have told you that, the rain was even happening during the race. Did oh, not right. care. Didn't make make a blind shit of difference to me. To be honest, um, I enjoyed it, and it was it was yeah. I don't know. I just added added to it a bit for me. If anything, just being absolutely soaked afterwards, and yeah, I it, I don't think it affected me at all. If I'm honest, and that's just the state that I can kind of get myself in prior to racing. Sometimes it doesn't always happen. You have to be quite you know nervous and quite on edge, and there has to be a lot on the line, but. Honestly, it really didn't. It didn't bother me at all. It made for some good pictures. I, th I think that could be the title for this this episode because there's the, the famous football quote there. Could could you do it on a cold rainy night in Stoke? So Neil Gordy <laughs> can do it on a cold rainy night in Manchester. <laughs> no <Right>. problem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. no problem at all. No, yeah, but, particularly being born and raised in Glasgow, maybe that helps too. <laughs> yeah, I'd right. say so. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> I, I hate these people. Like, when I'm going to a cross country race and the weather's terrible, they go, Oh, it's not going to be cancelled. I was like, No, <laughs> no, no, it's never going to be cancelled. Like, only if it's like ice and you can't run anywhere. Well, like, no, running just does not get cancelled whatsoever. <laughs> when I was watching that one on TV, I was just like, I can, uh, I, I would, me personally, uh, I've got, well, my pals call me the dolphin because I've got no hair anywhere. You know what I mean? I've got, I'm like, <laughs> so they said, like, you should actually run faster in the rain because you're aerodynamic. In times where running races, you're running in the rain. I just wonder how you felt. But that just kind of shows that your mindset as well. It's just you didn't let it bother you. You actually look forward to it. And <laughs> is that, would you say the mindset, that's something you've always had or something you, you've had to work on? Or um, No, I wouldn't say I've always had it, to be honest. When I was younger it's i mean it's a tough sport psychologically um i wouldn't say it's as tough as it gets but it is a tough sport psychologically yeah. and growing up i don't think i was ever the toughest athlete psychologically by any means i'd have doubts everyone has doubts but uh, i'd you know i'd i dread racing a little bit and i, I think changed things changed a lot for me when i was at um virginia tech I'd say, you know, you, you mature naturally yourself as well. But while I was there, the, the coach there, Ben Thomas, is, was brilliant in changing my psychology a little bit. Just the way he talks about things is just kind of an absolutes. You know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And not being scared to put a sort of ambition, um, you know, talk about an ambition as something that's going to happen. And 
not being of a mindset we say well hopefully if things go right you know they're actually committing to 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 to, to what the plan is and, and not really um accepting the alternative um is is, is kind of how he operated and uh, you know it, he instilled this kind of self-belief type deal um, it, it was never cockiness it was more just like refusing to accept uh refusing to accept a sort of alternative which would be you know not uh not you know achieving your goals not doing what you set out to do in the race um and not letting anything sort of distract you from what you're about to do right now mm-hmm. um he was great in instilling that and it's just a kind of yeah, I, I I don't know how happy you are with with swearing on this podcast, but um, go for yeah, it. <laughs> basically saying "fuck you," I'm going to win today <laughs> on the line is is the sort of mentality. It's the "fuck you" mentality, and it's not something that you know I, I ever approach day to day life with. But when it comes to competing, it's it's the kind of mentality that he instilled in me. "Fuck you," I'm going to do this. That's the kind of mentality you need, and you hear so many people when running. It's like, how's your running going? Like, oh, I've got a, whatever next week. Go, hopefully, I'll do this. It's you know, you very rarely hear from people who go, I'm going to do this. It's yeah, it's, you've and you've just kind of got to have that mindset, I suppose, especially at your level as well, because ninety nine point nine percent of the athletes you're running against that the world championship, they're all they've all got that fuck you attitude. Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you see it, and and it, it doesn't really come out until you know the sort of call room. And it doesn't come out until you're on the line, but you see it elsewhere. Like nobody's going to give you an inch um, if you're passive about it. Oh, definitely not. But, um, one there, one a couple other things. So, bear in mind that you do you are eight and fifteen hundred meters. You know, uh, I I think with your times you 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 probably could sneak into a, an eight hundred meter team as well, but. Also, we're going for the fifteen hundred just now, and you've been smashing it. Um, but your five k time thirteen eleven this year. So we know Pete spoke about Andrew Butcher's you no know, partner in world record, which is safe for now. But um, <laughs> but the the you know the Scottish record he's running thirteen oh six. I mean, considering you're concentrating on fifteen hundreds, I mean you're only six seconds away from that. Would you ever like have a wee nibble at that record or move up at all or? I don't know about moving up. Um, I've always been more of an 800 meter runner than I am a 5k runner. But um, what, what we've been doing over the past couple of years is just simply getting aerobically stronger. We know that's the kind of weak point of the game um, and trying to turn that weakness into into a bit more of a strength, I suppose. But yeah, just constantly trying to get aerobically stronger. You know, I've, in the past couple of years, I've taken it to sort of mid 1330s to sort of 13. 20-ish or was it 13, 16? I can't remember. And now 13, 11. Yeah, it's just the way the 1500 metres has gone is it's kind of the strongest people are winning aerobically. So we've been working really hard um, to train more like a 5K runner, to be honest, um, and in terms of the the work that we do. And thankfully, it is working. Um, the more time we spend altitude, the, the more volume we put into our sessions, the, the more time we spend doing hills, that kind of thing. Um, it's no one thing, but we have trained, I guess, more like a 5K kind of runner uh, the past couple of years, I suppose you could say, particularly in the base building phase. And yeah, it's it, it's going to be the key to running faster and faster in 1500. The, the speed is there and we'll always keep that involved. And 
there's a bit of a ceiling with with the speed stuff and thankfully you know my, my wheels tend to be good for a 1500 meters but it doesn't really matter if you've got the best so this is something that jake whiteman's talked about a lot you know he realized that it doesn't matter that i'm probably the quickest runner over 800 meters or the fastest finisher in this race if i'm not there with 200 to go and it really doesn't matter that i'm one of the better guys um i'd fancy myself over an 800 with just about any of the 1500 guys but it doesn't matter unless i'm there with 200 to go so that's been the big challenge um and it's just been a byproduct of that to be honest we haven't been trying to run a any particular time for 5k we've just been trying to improve and improve and improve um and those 5k's were just me testing that we are improving um and getting feedback by doing them um and i don't know about andy's scottish record it's a pretty tough one to break but but yeah i i think if i continue to improve then that that would be a fun target to try and get but um that record's safe for now too we'll see we'll see next year come back to me yeah yeah that's another thing as well you know got you guys at 1500 meters now you've also got andrew butcher at the 5k and he's obviously doing the 10k in it as well i think it's just a really really good era for scottish athletics uh in general everywhere and like so the girls doing well doing like phenomenal with like, laura muir elish mccogan Gemma Rike, and like, other young ones coming through it is just a really exciting time uh, to be involved in like, scottish athletics this time Absolutely. it's just that looking back you know you know, if you won this the national cross country championships, and if you maybe went to Liverpool and maybe get close to the team, you were considered incredible. But now it's like a it's like a formality. You know, <laughs> any anybody that's Scottish goes down there. People get one eye on them as well. So it is just a really exciting time. Um, but what the last wee thing from me as well. So like anybody like watching this podcast, like that maybe like they're taking on. A bit of running, uh, or anybody who's like a, a seasoned club runner or just running to keep fit. Um, what kind of advice would you have for them, like for their running? In this sport, consistency is kind of the biggest thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I certainly the advice I give to younger guys is that you know, when I was younger, I was certainly guilty of this, is it was all about smashing any one session, any one night as hard as I could. Um, and I thought that was how you kind of got better. And to, to an extent, that's, that is a fun way to do it. But in terms of getting better at this sport, if that's what your goal is, just being as consistent as you can with it is brilliant. It's stacking, you know, 190% or 85% days is so much better than than 20, 100% days. It's just, yeah, that's how you get better in this sport. You consistently... No one workout has to be that good. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any workouts that I do or any sessions that I do just now that, that other people couldn't do of a certain level, you know, within reason. It's just how many of those days can you stack? And how, you know, once you're at a certain level, how many days can you stack? And it's just a case of layering that year on year. And it, it's sort of a boring answer um, in the sense that there's not really like any flashy secrets or what have you, but it's, it's the reality of the sport and it's in a way it's the sort of beauty of the sport is that if you're consistent enough and you keep plugging away and you keep doing the right things and making thousands of good decisions then then you will get better it's kind of it's kind of a guarantee nice and um talking about consistency i know you're consistent at 1500 meters just now but can the people of scotland see you at a, a cross country national 
in the next coming years or is the main focus kind of qualify for Paris? <laughs> yeah, certainly not before. Certainly not before Paris. Um, <laughs> thankfully, I'm actually qualified for the World Indoor Championships in Glasgow next year, so right. that will be the focus of the winter next year. So I, I, I was able to qualify by winning the World Indoor Tour this indoor season. Yeah, so that's the kind yeah. of format that where you collect points along the way, and I actually was able to win that, and was targeting winning that because I knew it would give me an automatic bid for for Glasgow um, for that World Indoor Champs in twenty four. So that's that's certainly the focus of this this coming winter, um, because to do it in Glasgow um, would be would be a different level, of special. So yeah, not anytime soon. I cross country has never been. Uh, the side of things I've enjoyed so much, but uh, never say never on that. Maybe I'll be up for the challenge at some some point some year. Did Did you um, have a crack at the uh, the NCAA uh, cross country when you were out in the states at all? I did. I did. You did? Um, I, I wasn't that great at that either. Even though that was <laughs> easier than the cross country we have at home. Different. It's a bit more manicured. Some courses are still pretty brutal. Um, yeah. But but never never as bad weather wise usually. But um, no, I was pretty rotten at that as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I know it's been amazing having you on. And uh, thank you very much for, for coming on and, and talking to us and, and giving us your, your wisdom and your and your favourite Lord of the Ring quotes. It's been, been sensational. <laughs> uh, Pete, have you got anything else you want to ask at all? Um, well, no. I, I, well, yeah, I, I just finished, I just had a, just a couple of questions here that I'd circled a few few random questions if, if you like but uh no um in, in terms of our, our listeners i mean obviously the, the level you're competing at i mean a lot of us are runners and obviously certainly the, the the younger guys obviously that's what we we all aspire or aspired to achieve so it's, it's great to see you doing so well um, but no i mean you talk about obviously consistency and i think that's a really important message because yeah you're right i mean i think a lot of us can know and, and relate to that and that's often the downfall or the or the, the problem with us uh i'm sure i speak for sean and myself here included you know consistency is is key um so you know i mean i guess what one question so obviously you're you're a professional athlete you're completing a, a high level and you're you're you know you're 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 doing amazing things uh when when was the last uh how, how many years have we got to go back uh till neil gawley woke up one morning looked out the window saw the weather and just thought Do you know what i'm not going to run today so how many years are we going back because that that definitely happened at some point <laughs> it must it must have happened but it's been an awful it's been an awful long time i i honestly right. could not remember i would say the last time it happened that's just it's a sort of a non-negotiable uh for me at the moment that the of work course. gets the work gets done so i don't know yeah. it'll be at least more than 10 years ago um right. can't remember off the top of my head but uh yeah that's just a non-negotiable for me is showing up and exactly. doing the work Definitely. Okay. No, great answer. That's what I was expecting to hear. Um, <laughs> and just the, yeah, I, I have a question I'm um, intrigued about from a personal point of view. I mean, I've, I've done a little bit of this myself in, in, in the past where I've been uh, playing around in the, in, in the labs with the old VO2 max testing. So uh, I, I'm assuming you, you, you do that. I don't know how, how regularly, whether that's part of the, the sort of UK setup or how that works. Um, but yeah, have, have you re done, uh, been tested recently and, and what is your, your VO2 max that is peak? Um, yeah, talk to me about that. <laughs> I actually don't. Um, oh, right, I, okay. I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, there's not a whole lot. Um, you can, I've 
from my knowledge, you can glean from VO2 max. I mean, everybody's kind of different in that respect. And increasing your VO2 max is, is, is possible, but it's not certainly something we target our training towards. Um, right. There's a lot of talk these days about lactate threshold and moving that up a bit. But that's, that's a big part of the conversation. Um, yeah. but, but VO2 max is not something I really pay attention to much, if I'm honest. I couldn't tell you what mine is, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I got a good sense for what my lactate threshold is and where we like to sort of hover in terms of doing tempo work, threshold work. Um, but yeah. a lot of that, more than most for me, is is done off feel mm-hmm. rather than strictly scientific. I, I think we strike a bit of a balance uh, in what we do and that we do you know, pay attention to what our bodies are telling us and be, uh-huh. pay attention to biomarkers, but we're not hung up on the science. I'd rather let you get to a certain point in this sport where you know when you're working too hard. Um, and I try, I, I try and be a kind of in command of what I'm doing in training. And you, you get to a point where you've trained enough that you know um, when you're running a bit too hard or when you're about to get over that sort of threshold. So yeah, yeah, I, I like to do a bit of feel more than most, I would say. Okay, and, and so just to finish off, really, the last thing really for me, just just on that on that note, following on from that, because obviously the type of training you do to, to what I do is 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 totally different. But uh, you talked about lactate uh, lactate threshold. So would there be I, I I don't know again. Would there be a specific session you might do to try and actually improve that or to work on that? Yeah, um, a lot of it is just basically steady sort of state running at a particular pace that's maybe just um before that lactate level spikes um yeah. physiologically speaking so it, it can really be a number of ways to attack it i always say people get hung up a little bit on how to attack the sort of threshold side of things and really i don't think it matters that much um if, if you could do eight by a k if you want to do two by three miles tempo i mean something we do often is you know three miles tempo take three minutes do another three miles tempo at that same kind of threshold yeah we we might do we might do eight by a k where it's around about the three minute mark for me or just outside the three minute mark um depending if we're altitude or not and usually taking about 60 seconds between it could be five by a mile five six miles of work is generally where i hover around with the threshold stuff and it can be k reps it can be mile reps it can be a straight through tempo there are different ways to do it and i'd my advice would be not for, for for most people not to get too hung up on what they're doing when they're just doing a threshold session it, it almost doesn't matter that much it more the more important thing is just getting it done yeah I, I would, so, no thanks that's some great advice because there'll be a lot of people listening to this or will take some of this advice forward but uh, uh also as well would, would i be right in saying obviously based on your answer there um, like you said that the session may be not um the, the, whatever distance it is you're doing is not as key would, would it be fair to say that getting the actual pace right is is, is crucial i mean like for example for, for myself um we we talk a lot a bit of, uh we talk a lot about doing certain runs at, at marathon pace now the problem mm-hmm. i have is i i go off I, I i tend to try and want to run the times i ran when i was a faster sort of uh in years gone by when i was running my pbs and uh so my my marathon pace uh well my pb marathon pace is certainly not my marathon pb pace now so i i I tend to try and go at my perceived marathon pace if you like whereas i need i guess i need to be a bit more realistic and and run at the 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 marathon pace where i'm at right now yeah it is an important point actually it's the mistake a lot of people make and it's the mistake i make still to this day is you know letting your ego or letting your kind of 
just your competitive drive get in the way a bit and running too hard because the whole yeah. point of a threshold session is that you do stay at a specific kind of controlled effort yeah. or pace and adjusting um if you know if it's hot or whatever and things aren't going your way or your altitude whatever the the factors yeah. may be is just yeah being sensible it, it, one of the biggest thing best things a coach can do for you is is hold you back a little bit because up here wants to go faster 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 that's how i'm going to get better yeah but um it, sometimes the the smart approach is is just to just to be sensible and i, I need to preach it to myself at times as well when i, I yeah. want to i want to push the envelope and it's quite hard to just hold yourself back but you got to do the mature thing and it's especially yeah. a problem when you start training with other people and places like Flagstaff where lots of good athletes come and your ego wants to tell you to go with this guy. I can hang with this guy, even yeah. if that's not going to help you. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so right, so yeah. the important thing I teach to people coming up through, you know, the early in the professional careers is just do what you need to do to get better and don't get hung up in hanging with this guy or that guy um, because it won't help. Brilliant. No, that's that's great. Thanks for that. That's really, really useful advice. And um, that's, that's pretty much um, it for me. And obviously, it's been a pleasure and a really useful and great and in, insightful to, to hear about your training. And obviously, yeah, wish you the, the best of luck. And it's it's Budapest we, we have up next, I, I think I think we said. So I'll be looking forward to that. I'll be tuned in um, watching that. So uh, I, I will even have my, my salt tire out as well. Um, despite mm-hmm. my accent, I, I, I now live in Scotland and my daughter is obviously Scottish. So uh, my wife certainly have a, a song tire out. So, yeah, uh, best of luck, mate. We love to hear it. Thanks very much.